Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors. Are you looking for that one-of-a-kind Christmas or birthday gift? If so, head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com and check out the best gifts for outdoorsmen 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsmen on your list. Just head over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash best gifts for outdoorsmen to check it out. And also brought to you by Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. Fatanas Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. I'm your host, Joe Baya, here with my co host, Butch Theory, again this week. Butch, you know, duck season is upon us. Thanksgiving, you know, in Alabama is typically when everybody gets after it. It's been going on in places throughout the country, but this is the time when it's pretty much on everywhere. And today's show, we're going to be talking all about duck decoy setups that you can utilize throughout the season to have more success. Really depends a lot on the type of duck you you hunt predominantly, the type of water you hunt on. We're going to learn a lot today. I love duck hunting, man. I don't get to do it as much as I would like, but that is one thing that I'm kind of just like, where y'all want me to put these decoys? You know, I had somebody who knows a lot more than I do, and I know there's a lot to it, so I'm looking forward to the show today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. Always enjoy hosting Hunting Land with you. Look, and there's a lot to it, like you're talking about type of water, how deep the water is, how big the water is, you know, how big the body of water is, wind direction, wind speed. There's a ton to it. Uh, I'm no expert by any means, so luckily we'll be interviewing some experts today. But you're right, it's about that time. I've been doing a ton of inshore fishing around here, around the Mobile Bay area, and man, there's been a bunch of follies of ducks all around, and that's always fun to see. There's been a bunch of geese flying around. That's always, you know, indicative of foul, foul seasons here. Well, hopefully we can learn how to get them a little bit closer. I know if you're hunting, we need them to be like inside of probably, I don't know, basically into the, into the gun barrel. Barrel range. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. about good for me. Yeah, Right. Tennis racket range is what we yeah. need when you're yep. in the blind. Hey, those little things are hard to hit, man. They're fast. Yeah, they are. <laughs> All right, man, let's go see what we got lined up today. This week's guest is Keith Lindsay with Airboss Motion Decoys. Keith, welcome to Hunt Lane, man. First off, tell us a little bit about Airboss and where you guys are located and, and how you got into decoys. Oh, great. I appreciate you guys inviting me in today. Uh, Airboss Motion Decoys is located in Jacksonville, Texas. Jacksonville, Texas is a small industrial town that's actually closer to um, Louisiana and Shreveport area than we are Dallas-Fort Worth. So we're in the northeast corner of Texas. And Airboss Decoys is really the, the brainchild of a gentleman named Robert Legg was a very active 
duck hunter back in the 70s and 80s. Robert Legg was one of the early guys that did a lot of duck hunting with Tommy and Phil Robertson back in the day when, you know, I was still in high school. <laughs> right. Most of the people probably weren't even born in the 70s that would be listening to this. But that's the story of Robert Legg. And see, Robert Legg was so creative and innovative in the duck hunting world that in 1987, he's really the first guy that manufactured a, a floating motion decoy and branded it and put it on the market. And of course, back in the mid 80s, everybody was uh, ordering things out of uh, catalogs. You know, there was no internet. Right. Interweb wasn't around. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't available. So he started a company and he sold his business in the early 90s. It just didn't pan out for the new owners. But Robert Legg and I have known each other since probably 1982 or three. Uh, Bob Legg and I spent a lot of time at DU banquets and uh, Delta Waterfowl activities together. My background is uh, I'm a mechanical engineer and I have a manufacturing business and I do engineering services for the public. About two years ago, Bob and I got together again and said, why don't we make some decoys? Bob, you, Bob has the, you know, the um, industry science behind him and, uh, you know, 60 years of experience. And I've got the manufacturing technology and assets. So let's make some decoys. So that's what started our boss motion decoys. Well, very cool. That's a cool, cool story. story. Yeah. You know, today, I think, you know, we mentioned it early in the show, but I am, when it comes to decoy and anything or calling anything, I have a lot more experience with turkeys than I do anything else. And when I think about calling a turkey and, it, and, and to some extent using a decoy with a turkey, and sometimes I do that, sometimes I don't, but ultimately I'm trying to paint a picture for that turkey of what he cannot see. So that, that's what I'm thinking in my head is, is based on the time of year and what turkeys are wanting to be doing at that time of year. I'm trying to make him think something's going on over there out of sight that he wants to be a part of. And the experience I've had with decoy and ducks has been, Hey Joe, take these 10 decoys over there and, and throw them out far as you can throw them. I mean, I was not the person who was in charge of painting that picture. I was just the person doing the, the hard labor. So when you start thinking about decoy and ducks, is there that much thought that goes into it? I mean, are you painting a picture for those birds? That, that's a great analogy that you brought up about the turkey and you see it a lot in real life. But if you watch many hunting shows and they, there's a lot of hunting shows on that show turkey hunting it's easier to show turkey hunting on tv than it is duck hunting it's not as fast uh, but you'll notice in turkey hunting you're looking for a specific area that's open uh, you want a area where you have a good range of motion but you also are looking for an area where the turkey can see where you are, where you want him to go. Uh, he wants to be able to find that call that he hears. So the area is very similar between turkey hunting and duck hunting. Um, 
Another similar thing between turkey hunting and duck hunting is it's an audio sound thing that creates the attention that gets his attention. But, you know, there's a lot of decoying going on in turkey hunting these days. And then it becomes a visual. So you're marrying up the audio with the visual in both uh, situations, turkey and ducks. Yeah, I, I think like what you're saying there really hits home for me because I grew up hunting turkeys unable to use decoys. I mean, it wasn't legal to use decoys. Right. And so part of the game with turkeys was, like you said, I got to get their attention with my calling. And then what I had to do as a hunter was I had to position myself so that by the time he figured out, man, something's not right here. I heard that turkey and now I don't see any turkeys. <laughs> I've already, I'm already ready to take my shot. And right. You know, we've all had a bird hang up out there 60, 70 yards away, and he's obviously liking what we're saying, but he's not buying it because he can see right where that sound's coming from, and he doesn't see a hen. So with turkeys, it's a little bit easier, I would say, because they're on the ground. A duck being flying, (laughs) he can just fly right over and see. You got to have something visual to make them commit. That is correct. And and another thing that gets forgotten about and overlooked by a lot of immature duck hunters is that very similar to the turkey analogy hen ducks are the one that's doing all the quacking just like the hen turkey is the call you're making to attract the gobbler right so in your decoy spread make sure that the hens are visible from quarter mile away everybody loves those pretty drakes no matter what you know, species it is, but it's the hens that's doing all the noise making. Therefore, when they swing your way to see who's there, they need to see some hens, not just pretty colorful white back ducks. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that might be the first place to start is if we can run with this analogy of painting a picture for these birds of this is a situation that you should come down and join in on correct even within a six-week turkey season spring turkey season the picture that i may want to paint in the early part of the season can change four weeks later i mean like you're talking about when you said that about hen about hens you know some of the best hunts i've had has been being able to get a gobbler to commit because i was acting like a gobbler but you've got to know when to pull that tool out and it's not something you can use every time so talking about ducks what are your thoughts on decoy spreads if we're talking early season and late season do you change anything i'm gonna talk about early season first it's been my experience now keep in mind guys the majority of my experience uh is 200 miles either direction of the texas louisiana line okay so I haven't been over to Georgia turkey goose hunting, turkey hunting, or even duck hunting. I know what my experience is up and down this Texas-Louisiana line, okay? Sure. Um, I guess you could say Arkansas, too. How about that? Uh, I don't want to leave those guys out. You know, they're kind of proud of their ducks. That's Uh, right. (laughs) But early season, my experience has seen that a flock of ducks has anywhere from three to ten in it okay small flocks 
And there may be several flocks a day, but they're small flocks. They're not in big groups yet. Uh, and small flocks like to join what I'm calling a smaller decoy spread because it's too early to group up. So a spread of six to 15 decoy is more than adequate in the early season, simply because you've got you know fewer numbers of ducks flying overhead and you don't want to intimidate them. How about that? Smaller decoy spreads. It's all about feeding or roosting early in the season. They want to see that you're in an area that has feed in it. Uh, you know, they just made a long flight from Canada. They're burning lots of calories. They need some feed. So they're looking for a place to feed. Uh, and they like small spreads that are in feed areas. Uh, you know, acorns are feed. You know, rice is feed. Uh, you know, some grasses that are feed. There's all types of things that uh, ducks will feed on. You just have to find out what they're liking in your body of water instead of small spread. That definitely makes sense. And uh, most of my duck hunting experience has been up around, you know, the Delta in Mississippi, just south of, of Arkansas there. So right. definitely experience with rice fields and things like that. As far as you're talking about a small amount of decoys growing up, you know, I've always heard there's certain configurations that you want to show to those ducks that are coming up overhead uh, do you put any weight on that as far as like making, you know, I've always heard about the hook. You want to make a hook of decoys, leaving a little gap in the middle for those ducks to land into. Is there any weight to anything like that? Uh, there's some weight to it. And again, from my experience, the pattern that you use, you know, whether it's a hook or a J or, you know, an X, whatever, there, there's several different popular patterns. I seem that to be more useful or more productive if you're talking about diving ducks on bigger bodies of water. Gotcha. Uh, but if you're talking about puddled up, your mallards and, you know, your wood ducks and those type of things, that shape or that layout doesn't seem to be as critical. You know, no J's, no X's, no Y's, you know. But the early season ducks, I think, need to see two or three ducks up close to the a bank or a, some structure uh, like the resting. And when I say up close, you know, I'm talking 20 or 30 feet is up close to me. And then three to five or 10 ducks away from them feeding or moving around. Because what I'm trying to, the picture I'm trying to paint is that if I've got six ducks flying overhead a quarter mile away, I need them to see my decoys. Remember, I need them to see my decoys. They've heard my call. Now they need to see who's making the call. And when they come over and make that first pass, I'm going to get their attention with visual aids. Okay. When I say visual aids, I want them to see water movement. I want them to see literal duck movement as if ducks are swimming around and fighting and pushing and, you know, being bossy with each other. Uh, and then I want them to also see that there's several ducks actually over there resting, you know, so I'm painting a picture where the ducks are actually doing different things. And the way I can get them to come back and take that second look is if they, if I'm presenting the right visual 
presentation. They've got to have that movement. They got to have that. I call it light reflectivity. You know, there's hardly anything prettier to a duck or prettier to a human than seeing a duck literally twitching its tail and fluttering its tail. Uh, that's a sign of a happy, calm, comfortable duck. Uh, so if you've got some tail movement, something that's reflective light, bright light, flipping a tail, uh, they can see that overhead better than you and I can see it horizontally. So that's really where we're trying to get is vertical. I'm glad you brought that up about, you know, like you're trying to paint this picture of these feeding ducks. You've got I like some, it. I can see it. Some... My duck dog's over here. She's pointing. She's ready to roll. <laughs> you, got, you got some resting ducks there. Like you said, that and you think about it too with lots of animals that almost that wag of the tail, you know, it's a, it's a universal calm, that sure but, is. but saying that hearing you say that the first thing that came to my mind is, all right, what are the big no-nos? Like what should you make sure that you, what's going to make not a duck do? not come in, it's going to make right. a duck just flare and turn off. And what do you think about that? Keith? Let's just imagine that group of ducks has uh, come over. They've seen you, you know, they just don't throw the brakes on and stop. They're going to make another pass. <laughs> right. uh, they're still up there flying. They're going to make another pass. This time they're going to take a serious look to see if there's room for them to land. And if so, where is that landing zone? That's what they're checking out. On that second pass is where do we want to sit down at? So they're, they're making their third pass. They've decided they want to sit down with the rest of those ducks. And then just about the time they get ready, to cup and drop their feet, somebody gets on the call. Don't call when they're making that third pass. They've already committed. Patience. You got to let them come in. If you've got a uh, jerk string rig, don't be wearing that jerk string out on that third pass. That's first and second pass is a time for them to see that jerk string and all that movement, you know. Mm-hmm. that radical movement that third pass they've already think of it in this term first pass they see you and they verified who you are second pass they're coming back and they're planning their descent and they're planning their landing that third pass is they are about to land let them come on in yeah uh, let them come on in and i went with some professional hunters And uh, they made us let the first two groups of ducks actually light on the water before they would give us, let us shoot. And what they were trying to do was to teach us that patience of let them come on in. They've committed, let those ducks come on in. We want to shoot them at 30 feet. We don't want to shoot them at 130 feet. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Patience. And that's the hard thing is that patience. It is hard, especially when those pretty ducks are cupped up and you're just trying yeah. to get a shot as, off as soon as possible. I agree with you. That's a very yeah, well, common. And you feel like you, you want to do something. Like you're just like, mm-hmm. I want to be like, I've, I've oh, yeah, er, early on in my turkey hunting years, <laughs> you know, it was like the turkey gobbles at you. You call to him. You're saying, hey, I'm over here, big boy. And he's saying, hey, I hear you. I'm over here. And there's this standoff of like, you can come to me or I can come to you. Well, you're not going to go to him. Right. So eventually he'll not get fed up with that. You're not going to go to him no. successfully. <laughs> you can try. 
Uh, no, I have but, tried. And tell me you hadn't tried. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but like what I, the mistake I would make a lot early on was not shutting up. That bird's yeah, coming. You switch begging. And he's quit gobbling. So I'm thinking like, oh no, he quit gobbling. I got to, I got to call again, and make him gobble. All I was doing was making him <laughs> stop and gobble again when he's ready to walk on in and get shot in the face. So like what you're saying is so important is that patience of just shut up shut up and yeah. let them land, let them come in. What else? Is there anything with the decoys themselves, you know, that you got to watch out for? With the decoys, I would, uh, and, and it, I think it's a good thing to put some mixture of species in your spread. Uh, there's nothing wrong, you know, with uh, having a few mallard decoys out, having a pintail out in the same spread, or having a wood duck or two in the same spread. I think that presents a more real picture in my opinion uh i think it's very rare early season that you have only mallards or only wood ducks ducks are ducks early in the season they really don't group up and get into their own little species world uh over until you know the december time frame november that remember they're in small groups twos and threes and fives as opposed to late in the season, you might want to talk about putting out only mallards or only canvas bags or just depending on what water you're hunting and your area. Okay, it's so just, we, we talked a little bit about early season. Um, so you seeing smaller flocks of birds land with smaller amounts of decoys as we progress into the season, you're talking about you know, keeping your duck decoys more consistent as far as species goes. What else changes whenever you progress later in the season? Uh, later in the season, I think you have to, number one, increase uh, your visibility so that it looks more real. Is that where motion comes into play a well, lot more? that's what I was going to say. Um, early season, the fluttering wing motion decoys are, are real attractive. They really are. They put off a lot of motion, and it shows a lot of activity, okay? Late in season, though, ducks are in larger groups. You still need that motion, but you need that we're okay motion. We're comfortable motion. We're not active. We're not flying around. We're not nervous. We're not jumpy. We're a group of calm, comfortable, relaxed ducks, and you that motion is still necessary, but it's a different type of motion than the fluttering wings. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of water ripples that are available. You have that happy wagging tail that's available, especially in late season. That is a home run. If you could take six or seven decoys that have fluttering, moving tails, that those ducks can see from above, that just shows them that this is a happy little crowd down here. And let's go down here and relax with them. Yes, sir. Also late in the season in a decoy spread, I know you're hearing more and more these days about confidence decoys. Mm -hmm. A confidence decoy is something odd and different in the spread. There's a lot of people that think uh, coots decoys offer mm -hmm. confidence you know they're not trying to attract coots right <laughs> there's plenty of coots those they're using those coot 
decoys to build confidence in those wild ducks. Well, one of the unknowns, especially down here in the South, is if you take one or two Canada geese decoys, you know, imagine you had three Canada geese decoys sitting in a spread of a dozen mallard decoys, those Canadas are really going to add some confidence to your spread. Number one, they're big and they're easy to see. There's a mo- there is one or two motion Canada decoys out there, which is even better. Uh, and then put a little more tail motion because remember, you're trying to get the ducks from that are vertical to look down and see motion. Us hunters, we like to look horizontal and we think our spread looks good from a horizontal position. But I'll tell you, the, one of the best things that's going to help duck hunters, it's going to make people better duck hunters, is drone videos mm-hmm. over live ducks because hunters will then be able to educate themselves from 120 foot up in the air looking down. That's what's important. That's right. that perspective that you're trying to capture. And that's all about visibility. That's important what you just said about trying to think about things from the duck's perspective. That's, I'm, I'm going to go back to my uh, turkey hunting analogy. And, you know, that's one of the, one of the things, you know, I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking about this bird. If I'm going to get him to walk to me and get within shotgun range, I've got to make either, if I'm using a decoy, that's got to be visible and realistic so that when he sees it, he, he thinks it's the real thing. Or I've got to position myself such that by the time he figures it out, that something's wrong, it doesn't, it's, it's, too, it's too late. <laughs> like you said, that turkey, he's looking horizontal just like we are, whereas Duck is looking at it, looking down on those decoys. So being able to look down on what is there. And you're blind. And you're blind, too. That's a huge right. deal. Right. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And I'm going to offer up a challenge, okay? To anybody that listens to this, I'm offering up a challenge. Go to your local sporting goods store. Go to your decoy section and stand back and watch people look at the decoys, okay? 99% of people looking at decoys is going to pick that decoy up and look at him from the side. <laughs> what does he look like while I'm in the blind? Right. That's not what's important. Yeah, that's not what's what it's important about. It's what he looks like from the top. Yep. Okay. It's a frame of mind and it's a paradigm shift that duck hunters under the age of 35 are going to have to make. They're going to have to shift their paradigm and start thinking, what does it look like from above? I would think that comes with some some experience too, just being out in the field a good bit. 35. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're right. So Keith, talking about, uh, you know, getting back to late season, you mentioned that realism becomes more important as the season progresses. Giving motion to your decoys is another way to add realism. Some of those confidence decoys and things like that. Now, what about decoy spread size? You mentioned early in the season that you really don't need many later in the year. You got birds grouping up bigger groups. If you got more ducks in the air, do you need more decoys? When you say more there, the ducks late in the season have turned more social. That's why they're grouping up. They're more social. 
Uh, weather's cooler. You know, there, believe it or not, there's warmth in numbers. We don't see that so much down here in the deep south, but in the Midwest part of the country, you know, ducks need heat too. Uh, that's why they fly south. Uh, <laughs> right. That's why they fly south. But decoy spread size late in the season, you know, there's different schools of thought. 25 decoys out at one time is a pretty good spread in my experience. Even late in the season, these decoy pallets that are showing 100 or 200 ducks out there, that's all well and good. I think it's just as effective to have a decoy spread of 20. You know, that's perfect because that's a lot less decoys for me to wind up whenever Dad throws them all out. <laughs> that's a lot less decoys. Uh, you don't have to get there near as early. And yep. when you're done, you're done. <laughs> but one of, one of the things to think about in the late season that will affect your decoy spread, okay? Ducks have flown all the way from Canada down south. They have flown several times from roost to feeding during hunting season, as we call it. They're tired of flying. So as a hunter in the late season, you kind of really need to know why the duck is back up in the air and where he does he want to be. Why is he back up flying around today? I need to figure out what he's looking for and make my spread and make my location appealing to why he's back up there in the air. He doesn't want to be in the air very long late in the season. He wants to sit down and rest and nibble. So he's looking for a calm spot to do that. And that's why I think a spread of 20 ducks in a very relaxed environment showing confidence, showing casual movement instead of agitated movement. You know, I'm calling those spinning wings agitated movement, and I'm calling ripplers and, you know, the other type of motion ducks as calm movement. So late in the season, ducks want to relax. They want to see those wiggly butts and the feet and the bills down in the bottom. That's right. So it sounds like no matter the time of year, feeding is a good thing. I mean, they're always going to be feeding. They need to be, yes. The change <laughs> in the b- duck behavior from early season to late is what you said. They're looking for more social and looking to get with like, like-kind ducks. So those are the, the big differences, really. It's not like you've got to really increase your decoy spread size or anything like that. It, you know, you're, maybe two dozen decoys will do the job for most any, for most any duck hunter and unless you're talking about something super specialized, like the differences are that we're ducks are wanting to become more social. They're wanting to spend time with ducks that are similar species, same species, and they're tired, but they're still wanting calm places where feeding is taking place. And it doesn't really sound like more than a couple dozen decoys is necessary for just about the majority of, of duck hunters. It's not a situation right. where, you know, I got to say, I, gosh, I got to have 50 decoys now because there's groups of flocks of 50 ducks wanna, I'm seeing. I want to share a secret about late season that Mr. Leg taught me. And remember, Mr. Leg, 
has hunted with the professionals since a <laughs> long time ago. Late season ducks really key in on that visibility. Okay. Mr. Leg will take UV reflective spray paint, UV reflective spray paint, and coat several ducks within his spread. What that does, it's the same thing that Flambeau is trying to do with their stormfront decoys. At dawn, when the light is blue or that gray, and it's just before shooting light, ducks can see that reflective light coming off those bodies. Reflective light coming off of decoys in late season is paramount. So, you know, we, we kind of know that kind of stuff here at Air Boss, and that's kind of what we try to replicate. Not giving away any trade secrets or anything, but uh, look at a decoy under UV light, see what you see. What you, will. Under, what you see under UV light is what the ducks see it because a duck's eyes are different than human eyes. Does that change as the day progressive? Like, is there, is there ever a situation where that UV signature can hurt you? Oh, it can glare. Yes. You know, if you're, you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning on a bluebird day and the sun is high and it's bright, that coating can create some uh, reflective light, you know, like a shining off of a gun barrel could. Mm-hmm you know, shining off of a pair of eyeglasses. You know, I don't even hunt uh, in my glasses. I don't know if you guys do. No, can't. That's that's always been my excuse for why I missed, because I didn't have my glasses. <laughs> that's it right. It reflects a lot of light, you know. And some decoys do that same thing. So you just have to watch those type of things, especially late in the season when the ducks are nervous and the ducks want to be calm and relaxed. You just have to present them a calm and relaxed environment to invite them to come on in. Not a lot of agitation, not a lot of excitement going on around your decoy spread. All right, Keith, I'm, I think I'm getting it. Like calm, relaxed, feeding is always a good picture to paint. It is now, a good picture to paint. Let's think about this from the flip side for a second. And I'm going to go back again to my turkey hunting analogy. Most of the time I'm trying to present a gobbler with a hen that wants to become part of his harem. And that's the picture I'm painting the majority of the time. But every once in a while, a situation arises where I need to be a a gobbler who's moving in on his territory. And I need to try to play on his aggressive side to get him to come in as opposed to playing on his love romantic side. Okay. (laughs) So, is there ever a situation with decoys where maybe we're not necessarily playing on the aggressive nature of ducks, but is there ever anything you can do with your setup so where you're, you're trying to paint a different picture altogether? Uh, it may not be a feeding or a calm situation, but it's something where you're trying to just get a reaction. You're trying to get that duck to take notice, or is it really just all about being calm and providing a nice, safe place for those ducks? I think you need to present the feeding scene to ducks. Like you're trying to call in, you want to be a gobbler calling in a gobbler, you know, for turf wars. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen many turf wars with ducks, but you can present a feeding scene with ducks. 
where this is a feeding Mecca is happening right here. Mm. That's why they butt up ducks, you know, where you see their butts mm. in the air and the feet kicking. Mm. Um, and that's why you see uh, more and more of the feet splashing ducks. That's telling them that this is a good feeding spot. Gotcha. So that's the main difference. That's the variance is that most of the time you're looking to create a calm environment, but every once in a while, if you want to, if that's not working for you, you want to mix it up. You may want to say, look, there's something really good to eat right here. And everybody's fired up about it. Exactly. And that's when those feeding calls really become important. And that's when you give them, you know, six butt up ducks and nobody's lazing on the bank. We're all out in a big group moving around. You yeah, change the setup now. You just change your setup, bunch them up a little more. You know, like there, somebody went out there and poured out a basket of acorns, you know, in knee-deep water in one spot. Put them all right there and make them look like they're feeding on something. Well, Keith, you know, we've talked about basically the fundamentals, your, your fundamentals for decoy spreads. And I've, I've learned a lot about, you know, being visible looking real the pictures that we're trying to paint about the only thing we really didn't cover is if anything changes for you based on the body of water that you're hunting does anything that we've talked about today change if you're hunting say open water maybe hunting out on a main river channel versus a backwater slough or flooded timber yes if i'm in more open water okay say we're on a reservoir um we're in more open water. I'm going to set up a pattern. I'm going to come back to that pattern of the J or the X or the Y or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to key in on the wind. Okay. And I'm going to set my ducks up in a more wind efficient manner. They're facing the wind, you know, face into the wind instead of random positions. I'm going to put them in more of a line and I'm mm-hmm. going to, try real hard to get those open water ducks to stay and keep the wind into play because the wind's going to be more they're going to of course light into the wind you know like travel with the wind uh they will make their circle uh so changing your pattern to be more wind efficient is going to be critical in the bigger body of water imagine you put out two dozen decoys in a random pattern at daylight on a big body of water. And about 7.30, the wind changes. After the sun starts coming up, the wind picks up. Your pattern is going to change. That wind's going to move and change the pattern that you thought you had. So you should have set your pattern up to be more wind efficient. Otherwise, you're going back out there to change your pattern while the ducks are flying over. Definitely you know, has that so, happened before. Yeah. Definitely has had that happen before. Pretty frustrating. Yeah. It, it's pretty frustrating. About the only thing you can do is realize that on that more open water, the wind is going to change right after daylight and set it up for wind efficiency. That way you won't have to go out there at eight o'clock and reposition it. Man, I like to be done by then anyway. I mean, most of the time. That's right. Oh, yeah, I'm, we I'm all typically <laughs> back. I'm eating a biscuit by that point, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you bet. You bet. 
Definitely. Well, Keith, Keith, man, this has been fun. I, I do feel like I, I always I love doing these fundamental shows because the more and more I learn about different types of hunting, the more I tend to forget the basics. And it's yeah, always but, good to go back to the basics and make sure you're not missing a, some key component. Is there anything we missed today? The only thing that I want to bring out, especially to a new generation of hunters that are behind me, and of course I'm behind Bob Legg, Mr. Airboss himself, and you guys are behind me. And there's probably an age group that's behind you. Oh, yeah. Don't overlook putting some geese decoys in your spread. You know, it only takes two or three. They can be an asset. And don't forget that you're really trying to get the perspective of the duck, not the perspective of man. You want the duck to see, hear, and like what he sees. It don't matter what we think about it. It's what he thinks about it that's important. That's great advice. Well, folks want to check out Airboss. I know you got a bunch of different kind of motion decoys out there. That's Uh, right. Where should they go? And, you know, where are you guys sold? Airbossmotiondecoys.com, of course. And we manufacture them ourselves here in the state of Texas. They ship from our facility here in Jacksonville, Texas. And we ship direct to the consumer if they'll, you know, go through airbossmotiondecoys.com. You know, you can go to Simmons Sporting Goods over in North Louisiana. You can go to Max Sporting Goods. You can go to Rogers Sporting Goods. And those are really what I think are premier waterfowl outdoor shops. They do know what they're talking about there. They like to sell their product, but they do have some pretty proficient uh, experts walking around their floor. So don't hesitate to stop in any of those places and, and just keep in mind that there's a lot more to waterfowl hunting than just expensive decoys. It's about getting up early. It's about being with a group of people that you enjoy spending time with. It's about enjoying the outdoors and the camaraderie and just watch nature happen every morning. Every morning is different. And that's the good part is watch the morning occur or watch the evening come around. Decoying and shooting ducks is just kind of what we're doing to kill time while we watch nature happen. Yeah, that's I like it. That's just the, the bonus. thing that gets us out there. Like that's you right. said. You know, it's really just the conduit to spending time with those people like you talked about and seeing the things you get to see and experience. It's hard to, it's just hard to explain those things. You got to be there and, and see it for yourself. Yeah. And try to try to not be in such a hurry to end the day. Enjoy the day. Even after you've shot your limited ducks, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Spend another hour and a half learning something. You know, we shot all our shells and we don't have any more bullets to shoot at. We got two ducks in the boat. <laughs> we might as well learn something. Right. <laughs> might as well enjoy the day and learn something. I hear that. Well, Mr. Keith, this has been a pleasure, man. We appreciate you. We appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us and we look forward to talking with you soon. Hope you have a great season. Guys, I appreciate y'all. And thank y'all for thinking about Air Boss. All right, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. First South Farm Credit. First South can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. And also brought to you by Boaters List. 
Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes this easy and easy to find the service you are looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. BoatersList.com will always strive to make it better on the water. Butch, it sounds like Keith's probably forgotten more about decoys than you and I ever going to know. 100% agree with that. But I did like how he breaks down. And that's one of the things I've noticed when you interview just a, an expert on just about anything. They, they can really break things down to the 20% that makes 80% of the difference pretty easily. Mm-hmm. What I And what I really took away from that was the importance of realism, the importance of visibility, and and, and also you know, that realism is not what you, it's not how you perceive it, it's how the duck perceives it. And it's going to change the way I think, not actually listening to him is going to change the way I think about lots of different kinds of hunting. If I'm using any kind of calling or any kind of decoying, just that shifting that perspective to what, what's the animal seeing. Right. I thought it was pretty cool about the duck's personality, you know, early in the season versus late in the season, as far as socialization is different early than it is late and adapting and uh, you know adapting your setup to accommodate those attitudes of the ducks yeah and i think too the other thing that i picked out from this you know aside from the decoying is just the importance of of your scouting and being where ducks already want to be because that's part of the realism of it all i mean i've you know i go back to the turkeys a lot because that's where i've got the most experience but big part of when I started really killing turkeys was learning where those turkeys already wanted to be and then being able to set up in those areas so that that calling was realistic because those turkeys knew that there'd been turkeys there before and you know you gotta I think you gotta think about that it's a lot easier to call ducks and decoy ducks into an area where ducks already want to be oh for sure or lack of calling for that matter right you know so all this decoy and set up and everything you know, and picking the right ones and having the right UV signature and the best colors and the confidence decoys and the motion and all that stuff is still superseded by being in the right spot. Yeah. All that's good and well, but you gotta be where they want and you gotta be giving them what they want. That's what I doubt, man. Learned a lot today. Thanks for joining me. Me too, man. I enjoyed it. Always do look forward to next time. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. And this week's show has been brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. And also brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. At Bucks Island, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, and bow rider style boats. New and used motors as well as kayaks for sale. They love trade-ins, which provides a steady stream of used boats. They can rig your boat at their 18-bay service department or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. 
They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory trained and certified technicians. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Well, folks, that is going to wrap it up this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic, that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land Show is brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. Buy and sell your hunting gear securely online. PayPal protected purchases, no hidden charges. Listings are free. Head over to the App Store or Google Play and download The Hunting Exchange app today. And also brought to you by MB Ranch King. Save time and money when you buy MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds. Call Kevin for info or quotes. 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King. Built in the pursuit of perfection. And also Brush Clearing Services. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706-718-1690. And also by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also brought to you by the National Deer Association. You need to have hunting land liability insurance to protect your family's assets. Find the most comprehensive coverage available at DeerAssociation.com and protect yourself today.